Good afternoon. It's good to be with you once more. We do have several visiting in the audience, and on behalf of the congregation here, I'd like to express appreciation for your presence. We do not take for granted the sacrifice that you've made this afternoon in coming and being with us, and we trust and hope and pray that our time together will be profitable, that our study of God's Word will leave us better for our time together, and we hope that you can, in your way, find time to come back and, and be with us once, once again. We've been studying the subject of angels, and the objective of this series is to educate ourselves about these spiritual beings, understanding, as we review the various scriptures that relate to this subject, that there is a common identity that we share with these spirit beings. That might sound somewhat strange, that we would in any way try to link ourselves with those beings that we would consider at least at first glance, to be in many ways so far above us because they are much closer to God than we are here on this earth. They have an understanding of the spiritual realm that, that we do not have ourselves. But at the same time, the Bible says that God made man just a little bit lower than the angels. We've seen that God has said in his word that the angels are our fellow servants. The Bible doesn't say, say that we are servants and angels are servants. The Bible says that we are fellow servants. That puts us together with these, these spirit be beings. And so taking what the Bible says on this subject, I think we can say that we've learned some things, perhaps from, a, from an academic standpoint, that will enable us to discuss the subject with others who might be misled or confused on the subject. But from a practical standpoint, I would hope that as we learn more about these spirit beings, we learn more about ourselves. We learn more about our eternal destiny. The Bible teaches that, that our citizenship is in heaven. That's where our minds are to be focused. And I believe that you are probably very much like me. You find it the case that on a daily basis you are being influenced by the world, you find yourself being dragged down somewhat by the world, and so heavenly thoughts seem to be so far away from us. Again, let's use the knowledge that we gain from our study of the Scriptures about these spirit beings to take our minds, to transport our, ourselves mentally to that place we someday hope to go. For the next few moments, I want us to talk about the angels of God from the standpoint of their nature and their attributes. Yes, they are ministering spirits, but who are they? What are they about? If, if we could go back in the Old Testament time and meet an angel, what would we take away from, from that meeting? If we could meet one of those angels that God sent to Abraham, what would we take away from that meeting? If we could actually have a conversation with, with one, what, what would we learn? Let's, let's look at what the Bible says about the nature and the attributes of these, these spiritual beings. First thing that I want us to take note of is a truth that can be gleaned from a statement that was made by Jesus, and we looked at this this morning, but it's found in the 22nd chapter 
of Matthew's Gospel. And it's a statement that helps us to see that angels do not enter into marriage. Now, I could probably have some fun with, with that as we think about what marriage is and what it's about. But when Christ was teaching on the resurrection, and in regards to uh, two angels, he said, in the resurrection, they neither marry nor are given in marriage, but are like angels in heaven. I guess I should say that he was actually speaking not specifically or directly about angels. He was speaking about those who have died and who have been raised from the dead. Those who in the resurrection, as you and I will someday experience that resurrection of our bodies. What Jesus said in addressing the incorrect view of the Sadducees that there would be no resurrection, he said that in the resurrection we'll be like angels in that there will not be, there will not be that relationship that we enjoy here on this earth. They're not candidates for marriage. This verse, that is Matthew chapter 22 and verse 30, it gives emphasis to the difference that exists between men and angels. Angels are not a race like men. That is, they do not develop by procreation. They are created beings. They do not die as, as we die. They live and exist in a spiritual dimension, a different dimension from that which you and I experience here on this earth. And I think this, this characteristic simply provides insight into our own eternal destiny. There will be no marriage in heaven. Now, the newlywed says, well, then it can't be heaven. The guy who's been married 20 or 30 years, he's okay with that. I said I wasn't going to have any fun with that, didn't I? I think what God wants us to do he wants us to think differently about heaven. He wants us to see heaven from a completely different perspective. You know, we try to take so often what we know about the world, and, and in some way we try to take the Bible, and we try to take what the Bible reveals about spiritual things, and we... We want to mix the two together, and, and in mixing the two, the two together, try to come to some better understanding of, of spiritual things. And yet you really can't do that. Jesus said that my kingdom is, is not of this world. And when it comes to the matter of where we're going to spend eternity, God doesn't want us to think of that place as we think of this place. And that shouldn't surprise us. Life at its best is a struggle. Things here wear out. They lose their luster. What brings us pleasure in life is not lasting pleasure. Even in relationships, as wonderful an institution as marriage is, and the beauty of that relationship, it is something that God has given us here. God said it's not good for man to be alone. There is something that we are missing absent that relationship here. Now, it's okay to be single. We had a great discussion on this recently when we were studying 1 Corinthians chapter 7. I never want anyone to think that you have to get married. Now that I have kids, 
I really appreciate that. I, I want them to understand that if you don't want to get married for a while, that's good. That's fine with me. Dad, Dad can live with that. I would rather see you single for the rest of your life and happy than married and miserable. My brother married. Marriage didn't work. He's been single ever since. I asked him, are you ever getting married? No, I'm never getting married. Why not? He said, I go to the bookstore and I, I never see any books on how to be single and be happy. All the books are on how to be married and be happy. So that tells me that if you're single, you're happy. If you're married, you're not and you've got to go buy a book about it. Well, again, I believe in, in marriage. But at the same time, I understand that when I go to heaven... That need that exists here will not exist there. I will be in a different place. Now, that begs uh, the question as far as recognition. Will I recognize my wife in, in heaven? That's another subject. You can, you can talk about that after I'm, after I'm gone. But angels do not enter into marriage. Secondly, we see that, as we've already noted, that angels cannot die as, as men do. This was taught by Jesus again when he was speaking of the resurrection. Uh, another account where we see a, a discussion on this particular matter is found in Luke chapter 20. And again, I think we did look at this verse earlier today. But Jesus again said in verse 34, as we've already noted, that the sons of this age marry and are given in marriage, but those who are considered worthy to attain to that age in the resurrection from the dead neither marry nor are given in marriage, for neither can they die anymore, for they are like angels. You know, it's interesting to, to consider that the angels that God created, however long ago it was that they were created, and we saw in our study this morning that they are created beings, that God created them before the foundation of the world because they shouted for joy when God created the earth. However long ago it was that God created them, they're still living. Because they do not die. They have, as our spirit, it is an eternal spirit. Well, again, I think this helps us to learn some things about the spiritual domain that is very encouraging. Similar to Matthew chapter 22 and verse 30, this, this verse simply emphasizes, emphasizes the difference that exists between men and angels, and it also provides insight into our eternal destiny. It's another, it's another communication from God to us that should motivate us to want to go to heaven. There's nothing pretty about death. Death is not our friend. Death is our enemy. The Bible says that when we die and when we go to heaven and when we find ourselves in eternity with God, there will be no more death. There will be no more dying. There will be no more crying. There will be none of that sorrow that attaches to death. There will be none of that, that, that suffering. And what an exciting thing it is to think that just as the angels, here's evidence. Here's evidence of God's ability to create a body that can exist throughout all eternity in heaven, and He's going to do the same thing for me. My physical body will die, but I will be raised from the dead. I will be given a new body, and just like the angels, then... I will not die. What is your attitude toward death? We all say that we're perhaps in, in some way or, or, or varying degrees prepared for it. I've made the comment before that, that I don't 
fear death, but I'm not sure if I'm telling the whole truth when I, when I say that. I think the process is, is somewhat frightening, but again, God is taking that away from us. Here is a tidbit of knowledge that God is giving us to let us know that in heaven, as angels, our eternal destiny is such that there will be no death. We will not die. We also see that the angels are servants of God. On two occasions during the revelation of Jesus to John, the apostle attempted to worship angels. He was seeking to worship the angel who was communicating this revelation to him. And on both of those occasions, the angel's response was that you should not worship me. And the reason was, I am a fellow servant. I'm a servant of God, as you are a servant of God. In the 19th chapter of the book of Revelation, we see that there is, again, this, this angel, this discussion, this communication. He says to me in verse 9, Right, blessed are those who are invited to the marriage supper of the Lamb. And he said to me, these are true words of God. And then in verse 10, John writing says, I, I, I fell at his feet to worship him. And he said to me, do not do that. I am a fellow servant of yours and your brethren who hold the testimony of Jesus. Worship God. How exciting it must have been to John. Here John is, and he's, he's learning that God's kingdom will stand. God's kingdom will stand against all the kingdoms of the earth. Those who are being persecuted can, can look to the future with hope and anticipation, understanding that any who would set themselves against the plan and the purposes of God, they will be defeated. That was the message of Revelation. And now John, who himself was exiled on the island Patmos, and who himself, as a result of the testimony found himself in a persecuted state, is being told by this angel, this being from heaven, this, this one with intimate knowledge of God, you and I are fellow servants. We're in this thing together. I want you to understand that we are working together to serve God. He is your heavenly Father. He is my Creator as He is your Creator. Again, what does God want us to think about ourselves? You know, we talk about self-esteem sometimes and how, how people don't have much self-esteem. Well, I, I don't know if I would agree with the perspective that we sometimes see from the, the PMA uh, speakers, but I do know that when I understand the way God looks at me from a biblical perspective, then, then I have a reason to rejoice. I have a reason to feel good about who I am not because of anything that I've done or any, any worth that is inherent within me, but because of the way God looks at me. And this angel from heaven, who had knowledge from God, said to John, and he got that knowledge again, he got it from God. He said to John, you and I are servants together. In the 22nd chapter of the book of Revelation, again, Revelation chapter 22 and verse 8, I, John... And the one who heard, and I, I saw these things. And when I heard and I saw, I, found down to, I fell down to worship at the feet of the angel who showed me these things. And he said to me, do not do that. 
I am a fellow servant of yours and of your brethren, the prophets, and of those who heed the words of this book. Worship God. Worship God. By the way, what are we going to be doing in heaven? What are we going to be doing in heaven? We're going to be doing the same thing we should be doing here. We're going to be serving God. If you think that heaven is a place where we will do nothing, think again. Heaven is a place where we will, throughout all eternity, worship God. We will serve God. Do I understand fully what, it, what that means? No, I do not. Because I'm not there yet. And this side of eternity, we will not have a complete understanding. But again, as the angels, we will be servants of God. And it's interesting to note that even though man has been created a little lower than the angels, men and angels are on an equal footing with one another as servants of God. Now, if that doesn't help your self-esteem, I don't know what will. We also see as we study the, the Scriptures that angels possess superior knowledge. Toward the end of the reign of King David, when the, the, the political situation was just a state of turmoil, you remember the story about Absalom, his son, who tried to take over the kingdom? There was a woman of Tekoa who made a statement, and it really wasn't about, about angels per se, but it was in regards to the knowledge that the king had. And what the woman said was, is that, that you're like the angel of the Lord from whom nothing can be hid. And I think the point being there is that they possess, these angels, these spiritual beings, they possess superior knowledge. And that great knowledge is derived from their unique relationship with God. Think about what they must know. Think about what they must know. Living and being with God in heaven. I believe that, along with everything that we said in our first lesson, is another reason why we should want to study these spirit beings. Everything we can learn about them, I believe, will help us, at least in some small measure, gain further insight and provide greater knowledge of the God that we serve. But they see things from the dimension of the spirit world. And again, that's what I want to do. I want to be able to wake up every day of my life and stop thinking like the world and start thinking like God. I do that as I study the Bible. I do that as I saturate my mind with God's Spirit-revealed message. But even as I study the Bible, I study the beings, I study the individuals, I study the characters, I study angels, and I start to see things from God's perspective. I start to see things from a different spiritual perspective. Even though angels have great knowledge, it must be said, they're not omniscient. They are not deity. I think that needs to be clarified. There are certain things that, that they do not know. They do have limited knowledge. Look at uh, Matthew chapter 24. I do want to slow down and look at this verse with you. Matthew chapter 24. When Jesus was speaking of the return of the Lord, of the return of himself. In Matthew 24 and verse 36, Jesus said, Of that day and hour no one knows, not even the angels of heaven, nor the Son, but the Father alone. There are some things God has not revealed, even to those who are his messengers, his servants, even to those who would be with him 
at a level of spiritual fellowship that is ongoing. Jesus said, even that day, the angels of God do not know. So even though they possess superior knowledge, they do not possess all knowledge. They are also incredibly powerful beings. Uh, The Apostle Peter wrote of the great might and the great power of, of angels. Angels are referred to in the book of Psalms, chapter 103 and verse 20, as as the mighty ones of God. And it's also been written that when Jesus returns, he will bring with him, you remember the statement that he will bring with him his angels. He said he would, it was said that he would bring with him his mighty angels. In Matthew chapter 28, after Jesus had been raised from the dead, It is written in Matthew chapter 28 and verse 2 that a a severe earthquake had occurred for an angel of the Lord descended from heaven and came and rolled away the stone and sat upon it. It was a stone that men in and of themselves could not move alone, but this angel could. In terms of power, we also read in the Old Testament, you remember when when, uh, Hezekiah prayed, because these Assyrian armies had surrounded the city of Jerusalem. He was greatly concerned about what might happen. And then God, in response to his prayer, sent an angel that in one night slew 185,000 Assyrian soldiers. Think of the great power that these, these beings possess. And even though they have great power, again, they're limited. That is, their power is limited by God. They are under His control. It's exciting, though, as I consider that great power, that one of those angels would say to me, don't worship me. Now, think about that. Think about the power that that the angels possessed. Those angels knew their power held in comparison to the power of God. We're not worthy of worship. We know about God's power. We saw God create the heavens and the earth. We saw God create the universe. You worship that God. The angel is helping me to understand the greatness of my God. Look at my power. And yet my power pales in comparison. I have limited power compared to the power of God. The angel also helps me to understand the perspective, once again, that God has toward me. I don't have that kind of power. And yet God says, I'm a fellow servant with those angels. The kind of power that matters to God is the power that's in the gospel. It's not not in the power that that would enable one to to kill 185,000 soldiers. The power that is impressive is the power that enables a dead soul to walk in newness of life. The power that matters to God is the power in the message of a resurrected Savior. The power that turned the world upside down during the first century. That's the power that matters to God. And once more, this helps me to gain insight into what truly matters most with God. Angels are an innumerable host. The Bible describes angels as being great in number. There are myriads, thousands of angels. Can you see that? 
Can you just imagine what it's going to be like in heaven? I can see angels that are as innumerable as the sand on the seashore, singing praises, singing praises to God. The Apostle John was was privileged to hear that multitude of angels, those angels singing praises to God. And as you consider the message of the book of Revelation, again, you see how, how motivational that must have been. Here we are being persecuted for our faith. Here we understand that we might have to die for our faith. God wanted those suffering Christians to see beyond this present life. And He wanted them to see in heaven what their experience would be beyond the grave. In Revelation chapter 5, I looked and and I heard the voice of of many angels around the throne and the living creatures and the elders, and, and the number of them was myriads of myriads and thousands and thousands, saying with a loud voice, Worthy is the Lamb that was slain to receive power and riches and wisdom and might might and honor and glory and blessing. And every created thing which is in heaven and on the earth and under the earth and on the sea and all things in them I heard saying, to him who sits on the throne and, and to the Lamb be blessing and honor and glory and dominion forever and ever. We are a part of something special as Christians. We lose sight of that sometimes. We, we want to be a part of the world. We, we want to have the, the accolades of the world. We, we want to have fame and power in some small measure. We want to be the greatest. And yet that's exactly what we are in Christ. We have it all. There is nothing more that we could have that would lift us any higher once we've become a Christian. Once we've obeyed the gospel, it just doesn't get any better. It should motivate Christians to know that someday they can be a part of this great assembly. You've been, you've been a part of great assemblies before. You know what it's like to be surrounded by Christians? And you know what it's like to just, just to feel that energy? To know that here are people who are servants of God working together in fellowship with, with Jesus the Son and, and God the Father and the Holy Spirit. You know that feeling. But you don't know it now like you'll know it when you're in heaven. When all the saved who have ever been saved since the foundation of the world are there and all the created beings and, and those classifications of angels that we're going to study soon, those, those specially equipped and powerful beings all around the throne of God. What a wonderful blessing it is to be a Christian and to consider our future. And then finally we see that angels are spirit beings. The text that we keep coming back to, they are ministering spirits. They are not physical, they are spiritual. And we don't know exactly what the, the form of a spirit is like. Someone asked me earlier about the, the images that we often see uh, of angels. Little wings, sometimes big wings. You think about it, many of the images that we see must be sacrilegious. I think they in no way portray the, the, the greatness and the glory of these spiritual beings. In fact, they almost portray them in somewhat of a, a bumbling, comical lie. I, I don't see that when I think about what, what the Bible teaches about these, these spiritual beings. 
And yet we see that they do not have flesh and bones. Uh, they are spirits. And I think it seems reasonable to conclude that God has given angels spiritual bodies. And these bodies have probably been fitted for the purposes for which angels were created. And as I consider that, my mind goes once more to my future and that body that God will someday give me. A body that will be equipped for eternity. That's the argument that Paul makes in 1 Corinthians chapter 15. The, the Corinthians had a hard time understanding how a body that had been mutilated and perhaps completely destroyed and annihilated could in some way be resurrected. And absent their belief in the resurrection, the gospel had no power because it was based upon the resurrection of Jesus Christ. In 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 39, all flesh is not the same flesh, but there is one flesh of men and another flesh of beasts and another flesh of birds and another of fish. In other words, God has given each its own body equipped for its own purpose. There are also heavenly bodies and earthly bodies, but the glory of the heavenly is one and the glory of the earthly it is another. There is one glory of the sun and another glory of the moon and another glory of the stars, for star differs from star in glory. So also is the resurrection of the dead. It is sown a perishable body, but it is raised an imperishable body. It is sown in dishonor. It is raised in glory. It is sown in weakness. It is raised in power. It is sown a natural body. It is raised a spiritual body. If there is a natural body, there is also a, a spiritual body. And all the, the point of all this is that God has the ability to give us a body that can survive eternity. And I can look to the angels as an example of that. They are created beings, and yet God has given them a body, a spiritual existence that allows them to exist in that spiritual realm. And someday, you and I, will be given that body as well. You know, God wants us to think on such a, a higher level. Stop thinking at the level of the world. Stop allowing your mind to be influenced by, by, by the literature of this world. Turn off your TV. Open up your Bible. Open up God's Word and come to see things the way God sees them. See them from the perspective of these spirit beings, these angels who know, who know what God is, who know what God is like, who know about His power, and who are our servants, who are ministering spirits sent to us, those who expect and hope to inherit eternal life. This portion of this series is yours.